0: It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture.
1: Hey friends, welcome back to yet again, another agriculture conversation on the LaneCast Ag podcast. And I have received quite a lot of comments and questions from our listeners across the nation in regards to the conversation that we had with Brad Cook from Whipley discussing the Paycheck Protection Program and all the other craziness that is going on in terms of the Small Business Administration and making sure that uh, you are on top of everything you need to know in terms of what your family farmer ranch qualifies for during the time of the pandemic. So actually today, we are going to expand that conversation with another Whipley Spotlight on Agriculture. Our guests today are going to be Whipley's Dustin Wiesner and Ryan Tangadal. They're going to provide insight on If you qualify for the first draw, the Paycheck Protection Program, Loan Forgiveness, the second draw, PPP, and also they're going to give a little insight on the employee retention credit and items that you can use to prepare for the first couple of months and quarters of 2021 because, yes, the Paycheck Protection Program could throw that off just a little bit. It's going to be a great conversation. It's not just about taxes. It's about all these important issues that impact all of our farms and ranches don't go too far we'll be back with this whiffly spotlight on agriculture right after this. You've worked hard to build a successful farming or ranching operation. That's why when you evaluate your assets and determine your best strategy long before you're ready to transfer ownership, you set future generations up for success. At Whipflee, our dedicated team of egg professionals are ready to help you navigate the complexities of succession and family transition planning. Remember, it's never too early to start planning. Let Whipflee's egg Business Transition Specialists help you create your unique roadmap for success. Contact us today or learn more at whipfley.com. Well, as we come back to our podcast today, it's the Whitley Spotlight on Agriculture monthly segment. And there is quite a lot of questions out in farm and ranch country surrounding the Paycheck Protection Program and so many other uh, aspects that the Small Business Administration is providing farmers and ranchers and rural businesses and just a lot of stuff that is over this farm broadcaster's head, that's for sure. And I'm very uh, excited for today's conversation. Uh, We are joined by two of Wipfley's, uh, uh, top teammates. Uh, Ryan Tangadal joins us. Uh, he's from Helena, Montana and Dustin Wiesner's joining us from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And, uh, I'm excited to really dive into this information that is very important as we look at how folks can apply uh, or reapply for the second draw of PPP or for the first draw of PPP. But uh, first off, Ryan, I'll start with you. You're a Montana native. Uh, You work with agribusinesses, with farms and ranches. Uh, Could you just give us a a quick background about yourself and uh, where you grew up and how uh, you you, uh, found a career at Whipfleet?
2: Yeah, uh, I was uh, born in Plentywood, Montana, actually, the northeast corner of the state, and graduated in 2007 and went on and got my master's degree in accounting from uh, Montana State University Bozeman, and, uh, you know, called up uh, Kurt Barnacoff up in Haver, Montana, about a job for uh tax accountant for Whiffley at the time. I couldn't pronounce the name right in my interview, uh, <laughs> but I uh, eventually got the job, and uh, start, me and my wife started in Malta montana and then uh three years ago we moved here to helena so kind of got started mostly with the farm and ranch clients up in malta
1: well malta is a, is a great town that's where uh the nordland family where my family actually is from may, may, well the dotson uh community just 17 miles west is, is where uh my family's uh, ranching operation and heritage is, is from on my dad's side of the family. So a great Highline community. And actually, if we look further east down the Highline, we would hit the state of Wisconsin um, with uh, Dustin Wiesner joining us, uh, a senior manager and CPA, of course, with Whipfully. Uh Dustin, uh, let's share a little bit about uh, yourself and, and work with Wipfley and uh, more on your background.
0: Sure. I grew up in a small town northwest of Eau Claire, about an hour northwest of Eau Claire, with a little less than 600 people. I uh, grew up, we helping my grandparents on their dairy farm in Wisconsin. And so I uh, went to college, and graduated, started with Whitley right out of college, been here for 12 years, working on mostly agriculture clients. And um, some of those clients that also have a manufacturing piece to their agriculture side. So that's kind of my background.
1: Well, great. And that's one thing that I do really want to stress to our listeners. When they look at Whipfly, they see the name and they see, you know, uh, CPA attached to it, or consultants—they—they they automatically just think, you know, tax season, and, and that's just one thing that I want to break down—that uh, that that uh, that, that uh, stereotypical thought process that whipley is just uh, accountants getting your taxes ready. It, it's so much more, and it's so much more specifically for the farm and ranch and agribusinesses out there in providing so many more resources. And Brad Cook touched on it uh, in our last uh, Whitley Spotlight on Agriculture conversation uh, between the estate planning aspect of it, the making sure the next generation and the current generation have that plan in place to be uh, a successful operation in the future, Uh, uh, being an advisor on issues like the Paycheck Protection Program. I could go on and on and on, and we're going to have those conversations in the coming weeks and months. But uh, gentlemen, today, so many folks here as we move into uh, the second month of 2021, they're learning so much about the Small Business Administration and funding that is available for farmers and ranchers. And uh, in my last conversation with Brad Cook with Wipfley, we touched on that Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. You know, there's about $13 billion allocated that will directly impact the agriculture community. Um, But there's been so much out there from the inception of the CARES Act and so many farmers and ranchers, whether they're, they're uh, uh, larger operations or smaller operations like, like I would have or my dad would have in terms of uh, our agriculture portfolio and our livestock, there's a lot of questions out there. What type of program can they apply for? It, um a lot of folks didn't even know that they could even apply for the first draw of the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, so we do have a new act, of course, that Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, uh, providing a lot more opportunities for farmers and ranchers who have been hit hard by this pandemic. So first off, if a person you know didn't qualify for a PPP loan or they didn't know they qualified for a PPP loan as a agriculture entity... Um, how are they eligible now with the, the Consolidated Appropriations Act? Uh, how does this new legislation, say, clear up some of the controversy that we saw in that first round or the first draw of PPP? Um, uh, Dustin, could I start with you on that question? And, and Ryan, feel free to jump in as well.
0: Sure. Uh, that, that's a great question, Lane, actually. You know, there's been a, lot, there's been a few changes geared mainly towards the agriculture side of things in this most recent act. And one of the biggest things here is, you know, in the first round of PPP, you know, the, the calculation of the actual loan that the client or business uh, was used to calculate what they qualified for was based on self-employment earnings. And now with this new act, they're saying, well, no, actually we need gross income for those schedule F sole proprietor filers. And it's specifically a person who files a schedule F, with their ten forty tax returns You know, there's there's some in the gray area here whether or not they think they might be able to qualify a partnership, but as of we think right now, and this could change, we don't think those are a part of this. And basically you look at their gross income, which is line nine on schedule F, instead of their net number, net self employment earnings. So this could get somebody who would before, cut we wasn't getting anything because they had a loss on their Schedule F, up to $20,833 now.
1: Yeah, it's, uh again, like, like I mentioned, so many folks didn't even know they could possibly even apply for the, the first round uh, months ago when, when PPP came out. Uh, well, we're coming up on a year, really. It's hard to believe uh, the pandemic's been around this long. Uh, Ryan, uh, when you were working with your clients, maybe you're getting calls, maybe you're reaching out to some of these clients saying, "Hey, you, you now qualify for this opportunity to to receive uh, s- some funding through it." What are some of those key questions or, or um, takeaways you're trying to uh, discuss uh, with with your client?
2: Well, I think the first thing is, especially with the, when it comes to PPP loan, uh, even first round, is get in contact with your bank. Um, your bank's probably already been in contact with you as a client. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where the conversation starts. And then we kind of move into an advisory role. And the biggest thing we can provide on our end is just kind of where to uh, find the information to get the applications right and whether it's a right fit or not. And we just kind of act as that role.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I mean, like, like Dustin said on this one, I mean, this is just a simple line change and calculation with this first round and you know, there's people that didn't even think twice of it because they had a loss and they didn't have any money. Yep. And now all of a sudden, it's based off a totally different line. And you know, hopefully, banks have reached out to you and. Hopefully, maybe they've paid attention, but we just kind of act as a consultant on it is kind of our role.
1: Now, could you maybe expand upon it? Uh, Dustin did mention the max amount uh, that a farmer or rancher can receive is 20833 and, and as you mentioned, a lot of folks, they, they said, oh, I have a loss. I don't qualify. Well, now they do when you look at the schedule left form. What does that calculation look like? Just to just to paint a picture for our producers to maybe look at that form themselves and, and estimate possibly what they could receive uh, through the SBA uh, small business administration's PPP loan.
2: Well, yeah, I would say if you're over $100,000 on line 9 automatically, I would just bring that to your bank immediately and talk about it uh, draw one. I mean, that's just I think that's the easiest first step. And even if you uh, you know, are a little bit under 100,000, I mean, there's still an, I think a way of allocating up to I think that's a little gray, but mm-hmm. I think if you're over 100,000 on line 9, I think it's automatic just say hey you know, didn't get this at a loss, but I also made over hundred thousand dollars in gross revenue. Yep. So it's kind of just where it starts. Yeah,
0: and the, the, the caveat there is: does that person also have other employees there? You know, because right. if they don't have any other employees, then that line nine is you know that's over hundred thousand. And Even if it's greater than zero, you still qualify for something. Twenty thousand eight thirty three is the maximum in the case of somebody who doesn't have any employees. But in the case of somebody who also has employees, it's a little bit more detailed than the calculation. You know, you take that same line nine number and then you subtract out basically employee costs, your, your wages paid to those employees, payroll taxes, employee benefits, those kinds of things.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned employees. Yep. So many folks, when they maybe read about the Paycheck Protection Program in, you know, in the newspaper, watched on the news, I've had so many folks tell me, well, I have to have employees, or, or I have to have, you know, they they thought they had to be a larger operator. And really, that's not the case. But, you know, talking about payroll, should payroll be a farmer rancher's only covered expenses uh, w- when we're looking at uh, how to actually go about the PPP application process? And that also comes into the, the uh, uh, what am, what's the word I'm trying to, the forgiveness loan application as well. But how should a producer use payroll uh, when it comes to covering expenses and looking at the overall goal of these programs,
0: I'm just thinking, you know, if they're looking, the biggest thing when I, if I were, if I were in their shoes, going to the bank looking for a PPP loan, is I would look at my next eight to 24 weeks and say, okay, what does my labor cost look like, and what kind of a loan, what kind of a maximum loan can I get? Because you can base your maximum loan off of either 2020 cost or 2019 costs depending on which one is bigger and what you actually spend, you know, just because you're qualified for a maximum amount doesn't mean you have to take that much, you know, you can take a smaller amount. And so I, what I would tell you is, you know, you can use that loan 60%, a minimum of 60% of that loan has to go towards payroll costs or, or deemed owner's compensation, which is basically payroll for the owners in a schedule F for a partnership situation. Um, and so I would look at that you know we try to maximize as much we can with the payroll just because there's a lot less documentation on the application uh, the forgiveness application side and so i would say i'd start there but obviously you have that 40 percent of that loan can be used for something other than payroll you know utilities rent interest on secured debt and uh and there's some more stuff in there like ppe personal protective equipment costs some uh, technology costs that can be used—you know—if you, know, if you and this may not apply as much in the ag world, but for some other employers, if they're moving their uh, labor force outside of the office and they need more upgrades to their technology network, whether it be software or hardware, those costs would also qualify into this second round or the first one, if that's what they're getting now.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, Dustin nailed it. And <clears throat> the big thing there with the other one is just. You know, you can maximize that 40% if you're an operation where you're leasing a lot of ground, meaning you're you're paying for leased ground. You know, that's, that's a eligible covered expense on that 40% side um, as long as the contract was before 215 of 2020. Um, you know, in mortgage interest, it's basically it's just take the bigger picture on all those 40% ones and just make sure you have them. As kind of a back pocket deal, because obviously a lot of people are going to be using payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, because like Dustin said, that's the easiest way to, you know, go through your eight to 24 week period, whatever you choose. And uh, it's it's easy to document. But I think it's good to have those in your back pocket just in case um, for other stuff that we'll talk about here a little bit later. But, um, yeah, I think just I think the biggest thing is just to know what you have.
1: Well, and also you, you mentioned at your disposal yes and and you mentioned you know it's a lot easier to, to keep track especially on the payroll end of things when applying for the forgiveness loans um, but also you, you need to make sure and keep track uh, correct me if I'm wrong and, and have like your lease agreements ready to go all all your uh, utility yep. s- statements uh, because you need to submit those within the the app uh, the forgiveness process but we can we can touch on that here in just a bit but just j- just important things folks should Uh, consider Um, but a lot of folks may be sitting here saying gosh darn my my banker hasn't called me yet because it's funny my my dad's banker called him last week and they got the ball rolling um, uh, with with his application for uh, PPP's first draw Um, what uh what what does it look like, I guess, you know, a local lender um, reaches out or you reach out to them for the PPP application? Uh, and this is one thing we have heard uh, is that those lenders don't have the new application forms yet. And the question is, um, should you fill out your PPP loan on the old application or should you wait until they send that to you? What What's your advice on that front? Yeah, I think... Again,
2: it it depends on what your lender wants, but uh, it all goes back, Elaine, to what documentation do you have already? I mean, if it's something that you already know you can get, you can get forgiven anyway, mm-hmm. even if you don't have, even if now you qualify for a simpler application. If your bank's uh, requiring that you fill out um, an older form or just requiring you a little more documentation, if you have it, I mean, I still don't think it's you know go get that forgiveness when it's there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, you know, I think the biggest struggle so far has been. You know, I was just talking to a local lender up on the high line, and there's, you know, there's three different banks doing three different strategies on this, three different guidelines. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's very dependent on that relationship with the banker. So.
0: Well, and some of these applications are actually as easy as what they filled out in the first one if this is their second application. Yeah. Um, and so I would say getting it filled out, even if it's on older forms, is probably a bit easier because at least you'll get in line. Mm -hmm. Who knows how long this funding will last, right? We have until March 31st to apply, but we don't know how, you know, it's either that or March 31st or when the funds run out, so we don't know
2: when that will happen.
1: Exactly. And so when when we we have really been focused on folks uh, being able now to apply for that first draw of PPP, that means they're going to have to apply for forgiveness for that loan if they do receive it. Um, can they apply then for that second draw of PPP that was just passed a, a few weeks back? Um, what does that timeline look like? And, and what are you, when, when working with some of your, your, your friends at Farm and Ranch Country, what are those recommendations you're making when looking at forgiveness and then applying for that second uh, draw on PPP?
0: You no, know, interestingly enough, I had a conversation last week with a producer, um, and he was asking me that same question because he had he was in the situation that I kind of described earlier. He just got left farmer, didn't have any self-employment earnings, so didn't cl- didn't qualify the first time around, and then also had the required drop uh, in receipts, twenty-five percent or one closer in 2020 as compared to its for in 2019. So he was going to try to get a second one as well, and and so he said, well, you know, the bank is telling me to fill out the first application and then I, they want to see him spendable and in his case, he didn't have any employees. And so it was just a cut to himself, which I said, well, let's, let's do it that way. Let's cut a check as soon as you get the funds. We'll, we'll show the bank that, hey, you know, we, we paid our owner this you know, compensation and so he's used all the funds and then apply for the second one and see what they say. And, you know, some banks are qualifying, are are making wait the full eight weeks to to, or, uh, to get the second loan, but it depends on the bank. In this guy's, this person's case, he was able to get a first loan loan and then a, wait a week or so and get a second loan. Did you see anything differently, Nine?
2: Yeah, I was actually just having a conversation with um, another associate on the highline about close to the same thing. Where basically, they were allowing them to apply for forgiveness first. As long as they uh, just applied for it, they could start getting to work on their PPP loan round two. It didn't have to be forgiven yet. It just, you just need to be in the process of applying for it. That was one guideline that a bank gave them, and then they wouldn't have to wait the eight weeks still. And that's and the, you know to take it back even two lane here. The whole thing is that the SBA doesn't even require you to apply for forgiveness to actually apply for round two.
1: Hmm.
2: So you don't have to, per the SBA, but that, that's where the bank relationship though comes in because the bank has been, they have their own sets of guidelines. So that's been kind of the, not cat and mouse game, but just it's, it takes good communication yep. and documentation on the uh, client's part just to be ready. So, you know, it's, it's just, it kind of depends, like Dustin said. Could be good. Could be bad.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, Again, it can really be confusing. So I appreciate you both sharing those examples, but really folks just really need to have a, have a good conversation with their lender, uh, understand what their priorities and and, uh, rules are on applying and uh, uh, completing their forgiveness applications. So again, that's great insight. It can be confusing. Um, and that's why I'm so glad we're having these conversations. Because as a farm broadcaster and a broke rancher, it's really good to to be able to have the experts <laughs> share that information. Um, but also, w- when we look at some maybe conversations that we're having with uh, farmers and ranchers, uh, you might be finding out that they do have a lot of questions about how their accounting practices. Are going to impact their ability to have their loan forgiven we 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 touched on record keeping but what should they be thinking about now to avoid problems down the road Uh, whether that is just how they file how they maybe code things within their quickbooks or or more traditional methods what is your your thought on on when we're looking at um, these accounting practices and loan forgiveness
2: yeah, I, I would just start quick, uh, just to, for a quick hitter. Um, in, in terms of the record keeping part, Lane is especially with this round two, where you have to do a quarterly, um, you know, comparison from twenty twenty to twenty nineteen. Especially for those Schedule F clients, maybe that you know are on a QuickBooks file, but they're just trying to get their you know annual income in and and whatnot. Maybe there's a lack of quarterly um, discipline on when you enter dates maybe, or when you bring that income into your books whatnot, or maybe an expense, maybe they just, you know, pers- it. obviously record keeping will have to be uh, as good as it can to make sure you have your quarters right this time. Now it's just, there's a little more emphasis on that and and most already do anyway. Most reconcile their banks monthly, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's entered correctly. It's good to go. But I'd say there's, there's needs to be maybe a double check or maybe just maybe a a maintenance on their part to make sure they're up to speed. On how they're they're doing their uh, quarterly entries, so just for comparison's sake.
0: Yeah, because in reality, the bank is going to be leaning on the on the producer's records in this case. So as, as clean as they can be, the better it'll and easier it'll be for either applying for forgiveness or applying for a round two or their first. Yep. Yep. If that's the case.
1: Well, and that's why I wanted to bring that up, because as we look at the second draw of PPP, you know, we, we walk through the the first round, what what folks need to do um, in terms of that initial paycheck protection program, the new rules now applying producers, whether they had a profit or a loss to now apply for that paycheck protection program. Let's say you've, you've applied for it, You've received it. You applied for forgiveness. You received that. And in the meantime, you filled out your information to apply for that draw two of the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, now, you have to have a 25% loss during a quarter of 2020 compared to 2019, and then there's going to be an equation in that on what you'll be eligible for. Ryan, is that correct in, in, in what I'm what I'm trying to explain? <laughs>
2: Yes. No, you did a great job, actually. <laughs> That's, it, got, it needs to be any quarter in 2020 versus 2019. So any quarter comparison. Okay. You can choose which one you want out of the four.
1: Okay. So so we look at that, and they're going to be, you know, I, I, I haven't obviously looked at this. Is the the second draw PPP loan application, does it look different than the first one, or is it the same one?
0: It It does look a little different because of that drop in gross receipts requirement you know they have added boxes for that and they have some more questions that are tailored towards the second round versus the first round like did you number one did you receive a first round ppp loan and stuff like that so it is a little different
1: so, what are some of the questions you're receiving from folks that did receive that first round of PPP and have applied or are going to apply? What What are some of those questions that folks are getting mo- most confused about? Uh, because again, there, there's a lot out there. Changes, of, uh, rules have changed. Excuse me, uh, so much since uh, the uh, creation uh, of these programs through the CARES Act. What What are some of those key questions you're receiving on PPP draw two?
2: Go ahead, Dustin. If you have some quick, quick ones.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for mine, and this is is, is pretty uh, pretty common, I believe. And Ryan, you can add the are the ones you've seen. But the biggest thing is, you know, have my receipts dropped enough? I think a lot of clients are a little gun shy when it comes to applying for the second round because uh, they're thinking, well, um, am I right here? It looks like I'm right, but I want somebody else to verify. And then the the second thing is can you help me with the application you know in a lot of cases with our clients we either help them with the first or did them did it for them in the first round and so the second round they kind of feel inclined they feel better if they have a good accountant or a good banker that helps them fill out those forms and so those are those kind of things that they're asking is do i have enough of a drop to qualify
2: yep and um the, the biggest one Uh, Well, I guess the top two I've been told is uh, what's gross receipts for my quarterly comparison and uh, is CFAP, the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program payments included in gross receipts. Um, Those are the top two. Uh, I say probably three is is how how does the monthly payroll cost calculation go when you've met the qualifications for round two Um, and what payroll periods do I use? So I I'd say gross receipts would be the top one because people like, like Dustin said, people are gun shy because some are saying, well, Hey, did I, did I make money, you know, or in some cases, am I even doing it correctly per my records I have? If there's some clients who keep really good uh, records and they just don't quite know how to, you know, put one spot to the next, Mm -hmm. so to speak in terms of what's income, what's net revenue, what's gross revenue, you know? So we kind of guide them through that and, Usually it's, I think one thing too, with this quarterly comparison is they're not requiring, you know, a uh, audited pair of financial statements. You know, they're, they're just trying to get your records and if it's consistent and you sign off on it, you know, I, it's good to go, send it in, you know? So. Yeah.
0: And, and just kind of, as I mentioned, you know, there, there has been some talk from a couple of senators of, of Possibly getting that CFAP money not included in gross receipts. We'll mm-hmm. see if that goes
1: anywhere. But I, I did recently read that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I, was, I read that too this morning too, Dustin.
1: Yeah, yeah, Ryan. I was going to follow up with you on that. But uh, obviously, you know, they're they're trying to possibly exclude that. But but as of right now, the CFAP funds are a part of that g- gross receipts. As of this broadcast at the beginning of February 2021, am I correct in saying that?
2: You are correct. It's filling up on the egg program payment to 99 okay. from the USDA.
1: So, okay. Yep. I, I just wanted to, to, to be clear on that because that has been brought up in the past uh, on some of our, my other podcast shows here, just talking about uh, uh, that CFAP money. And of course that as, as of this show and broadcast, it is being, uh, it needs to be classified as income, um, f- through, through that USDA CFAP program, um, so, guys, you know, we, we brought it up just a little bit ago, uh, that employee retention credit uh, for 2020. I, I do want to jump back to that because I'd like to maybe define that a little more. Uh, what what exactly is that um, in terms of what folks should be thinking about uh, uh, in their filings on this past year and the chaos that, that has been a part of it? So well, I could I could yeah, try I
2: to do. explain this one clearly. Go ahead, Dustin. All
1: right, all right, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, like, I could try to explain this one, um, big picture, but Dustin does a much better job with employee retention credit (laughs) from a, from a broad point. So I'm going to, I'm going to defer to him because this is a mouthful. So,
0: oh, well, Ryan, Ryan's just being polite. (laughs) Um, Well, so with, with with the employee retention credit, you know, the, the initial, uh, uh, put into play our initial law put into place for the cares act was that anybody uh, that um, instead of using PPP loans could get a 50% of their wage wages paid to employees uh, and get a credit back to help pay for those, um, those wages. And so a lot of clients who didn't necessarily qualify for PPP or thought they, you know, that the gray area was their economics uncertainty. They maybe didn't use it, um, or didn't apply for it, they used this credit uh, just to help them pay for some of their payroll. Now, with the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, that that act has put into place that it doesn't matter if you've received a PPP loan. You can still claim the employee retention credit. As long as that credit is not claimed on wages that were used, uh, that were paid by uh, PPP loan funds. And so to qualify for that credit, though, you need to have a 50% or greater drop in any quarter in 2020 as compared to its counterpart in 2019. in And so that's on wages starting from March 13th through the end of the year. And so up to $5,000 per employee, which means you have to pay them at least $10,000 a year starting on March 13th and forward. And then, so up to a $5,000 credit per employee, it cannot be paid on or cannot be claimed on wages that are related. So any owners that are employees cannot get their wages uh, paid for through this credit, and it cannot be used on commodity wages. But then it also got expanded for 2021 here, so you can claim that credit in the first two quarters, and the and the amount of the credit and the qualifications of the credit have went down a little bit. So. We talked about the f- at least fifty percent or more reduction in gross receipts. Well, that's dropped to twenty percent or more in the first two quarters here of 2021, as compared to the first two quarters in 2019. Um, and then also the credit has gone from fifty percent of wages to seventy percent of wages. And whereas before the credit was an annual credit of five thousand, the seven thousand dollars, which is seventy percent of the ten thousand wages, is a quarterly. You can get up to fourteen thousand dollars per employee, rather than the five thousand dollars per employee for the year. So that's kind of a big deal for a lot of people. The only caveat there, again, you cannot use claim this credit on wages that were used that were being paid for by PPP funds. And so that would be what Ryan kind of alluded to earlier. As maybe maybe we don't claim a lot of the wages when we go for the forgiveness application for a PPP loan because we can use those wages against this employee retention credit. Right. So that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. It's very <laughs> yeah. complicated. Um, and that's just the general. There's a lot of exceptions to that and all that kind of stuff. So you're talking about. So if I. I had that 50% or greater drop in receipts in in a quarter in 2020 as compared to that second quarter in 2019. You know, I claw those wages that I pay qualify for that credit in the next quarter as long as I don't get to 80, more than 80% of the 2019 receipts for that quarter. So if I had a 50% drop in the second quarter of 2020 as compared to 2019, and then in my third quarter, I had a, 83% eighty three percent of the gross receipts of the same quarter in 2019 then I can still claim the credit on those two quarters of wages and then the credit would then end in the fourth quarter does that kind of make sense for me
1: well, well, great thing about podcasts, I can go back and re-listen to this a few more times and I can take notes and I can quit. You guys can quiz me on it because, um, you know, I'm just I, I was one of those liberal arts students at, at Montana State University. I was ag-, ag education relations. So not saying I'm the brightest uh, or the dullest crown in the box, but, you know. The best part about this is you can call your WIPFLY experts, and you can listen to this podcast and re-listen to all that great information Dustin just shared. But it does make sense, Dustin. I just listened to this four more times, and it makes sense to me now. Good. <laughs> no, I, again, i <laughs> that's the great part about th- these conversations is, uh, like I said, everything goes over my head initially when you look at it or, or you read about it. Um, but having experts like yourself at Wifley do provide all these opportunities to better understand this and understand why you might not want to put all of that on your loan forgiveness for PPP. It's going to help you maybe in the long run uh, through this credit as well. Uh, uh, Ryan, again, poking fun at myself and, and my, uh, my uh, lack of knowledge in the tax arena. D- is there anything that you want to a- add on to Destin's comments there?
2: No. Yeah. I think just, you know, without going into too much detail, there's a lot, there's, we're going to see when we're doing 2020 tax returns this year, we're going to probably see the advantages for the credit for the 2020 option. And for that 2021 option, that's where with the planning, the real planning might be, you know, super beneficial is, you know, we figured out what to do in 2020 and now this employee retention credit for the first two quarters of 2021. If we know that, I mean, remember what Dustin said, it's easier to apply for this one, meaning, um, you only need to show a 20% reduction mm-hmm. for first two quarters when compared to those first two quarters in 2019. And you also um, you get more, you get more per quarter in credit. So there just, there's going to be planning involved and that's where we're really just going to, you know, bring it home that, you know, there's things, whether it's amending uh, payroll reports or whether it's figuring out where the best fit is. Uh, if we know the PPP loan forgiveness is done, you know, we can make firm claims on what we need to do with a lot of this uh, employee retention credit um, and all the, and all what ensues after that. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain amount of planning that's going to be involved probably in the, in earlier this year than usual. Cause a lot of people, you know, they'll come in and they'll have their planning maybe in October or September, you know, kind of that right before the fourth quarter, if they're a calendar year empl- um, client. So that's where it's, it's maybe going to be beneficial to call your accountant and just say, Hey, can we talk about this maybe in March or you know, should we talk about it? I don't know, now.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, there's.
0: Well, one thing to think about is: you know, like, a lot of our farmers are are cash basis. And so these yep. source receipts are determined on the same basis that you file your tax return. So you can enter into some of your deferred payment contracts and potentially get your income low enough in the first or second quarter here of 2021 to be able to take advantage of these credits. And so if you're able to spend, you're also getting a PPP loan for the second time or first time, you're able to spend that as fast as possible, whether it be wages and or other non payroll costs that qualify, then there's a possibility you can get, I don't want to say double money, but it's like a double benefit, right? And that's the key plan. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Dustin, I I think uh, Ryan owes you a beer or a Coke or something. He kind of gave you the the short end of the stick, giving you that long explanation, though. (laughs) But... uh, But guys, I have no problem doing that. <laughs>
2: but but guys, I, that is <laughs> it, it, it's
1: such good information and important information that folks should be thinking about because it's a busy time for especially cow calf operators that are that are in the middle of uh, calving or are going to be starting looking at calving or or folks looking at, at uh, getting ready for the the next round of spring crops to be planted. You know, sometimes these things get pushed to the back burner, but it, this year especially, it's so important to be thinking about these, be be working with your tax experts like like the Whitley team in, in looking at our prep for 2021. Um, guys, I, I know we talked about that tax credit. Uh, I- any other areas that folks should be thinking about um, it, these first couple quarters of 2021 um, uh, or or just in, any other uh, tidbits you want to share with our listeners today before I, I let you get back to your, to your, your work days?
0: Uh, you know, I think there's still, still a lot of gray areas here. You know, we're not a hundred percent sure on the gross receipt piece. Uh, we're not a hundred percent sure on the gross income line nine stuff. You know, we think we're right in what we're saying here, but there's still some gray areas here that will be clear, hopefully clarified before the March 31st deadline comes and goes with the, the application process. But I guess my one piece of advice is to make sure you're talking to your accountants especially now maybe more than once a year uh there's a lot of things that change uh, and we've seen over the last 12 months i don't know how many changes um and and sometimes I you can miss out on stuff if you uh if you don't talk to your account, accountant on time
1: yep
2: i mean yeah lane i mean before the caa came out this new act i mean you know, PPP loan forgiveness, the expenses weren't, weren't going to be deductible that whatever, you know, went against your forgiveness for PPP loans. And that was the planning thing we were doing throughout November and December. We were making sure that we had that loan forgiveness as kind of just other income because it was wiping out those expenses if they applied for forgiveness without those expenses. And that just all changed on, you know, I think it was the 27th of December. And, you know, it, it was a good change because that means they got to have their expenses back, but it's it's a 2020 was a constant change of mind mindsets on so many things and we planned as good as we could and we we have no idea if march 31st is going to be the date you know yeah we don't know with with some of this stuff it's it's just like i said maybe now content get your get your banker and accountant talking as soon as possible get get the guidelines down you know as good as you can and keep great records
0: yeah and I guess the other thing I would add, because your, your expenses comment, and kind of triggered a memory in my brain here, uh, is if you do have a loss, you know, it doesn't make sense to carry back that loss. Now, I know with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is that farmers had a little snippet that they could still carry back their annual net operating losses, but now we have the ability to go back as far as five years. Um, and so that may be beneficial in some cases where farmers got hit hard. And so that would be something else I guess I would say is if you have a lost in in 20 years, that may be something to look into.
2: Yeah. Ask about NOL carrybacks cause that got sorted out too and in a positive way for farmers and ranchers. So that changed. We could do a whole other podcast on that stuff. I, I think so. we
1: might have to. We'll we'll drop uh, our, our uh, uh, Brad Cook with Whipple a, a note and, and about a uh, next month's uh, topic possibly. But again, such important information uh, to be thinking about for all of our farmers or ranchers, uh, the agribusinesses, or just anyone in general that uh, could qualify for a PPP loan to keep your business afloat. It's been a tough go for a lot a lot of small businesses out there. So utilize. The resources on the state level and on on the national level, on the federal level, to uh, to make sure that your business uh, can can be you know have a solid foundation under it. We can't let a pandemic uh, throw off everyone's hard work that they've put into their 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 jobs, their businesses over so many years. Um, Again, hey, uh, Ryan and Dustin, I appreciate the the time and uh, energy you put into understanding these ever-changing rules. Uh, Like you mentioned, the end of December, uh, that Consolidated Appropriations Act, we we didn't know that uh, expenses could be deductible until after that. I mean, that... I, I was concerned about that with my PPP loan for, for my uh, small business because, you know, that that just, it, it's just so confusing. And so I appreciate you guys continuing to just, uh, continuing to read hundreds of pages of new legislations and, and bills and everything. You probably read them more than the legislators do that pass them. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you both <laughs> taking the time to, to actually uh, to, to share this important information. Yeah, no problem.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Love talking about it. So...
1: All right, well hey guys, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, being a part of this Whiffley Spotlight on Agriculture conversation today here on the Lancaster Ag Podcast. Again, a big thank you to Dustin Wiesner and Ryan Tangadol for joining us here today, Uh, but of course a a friend to all in production agriculture and uh, a great resource that all farmers and ranchers should consider in in making not only their tax decisions, but all of their family business decisions as well. Uh, I'd encourage you to visit Wifley online and check out their agribusiness uh, tab. Uh, A lot of great resources there for you to to learn more about how to make your family farm or ranch even better. Hey, gentlemen, I'm going to let you get back to your day. I know you're busy. Folks are are, are starting to get everything in for for the tax season, and uh, I just wish you well in the coming months.
2: Yeah, thanks, Lane. Appreciate it.
1: Hey, friends, that will do it for today's agriculture conversation on the Lancaster Ag Podcast. For more on Whipley and their agribusiness services, visit them online. Have a great day. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast
0: with and Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and Nordland Communications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.